0: And the Oscar goes to... And the
1: Oscar goes and the to... And goes to... Jet.
2: there's something wrong, it's wrong with the instructor. This ain't reality TV! Respect it! Invalidate it. Remember that's what you told me! It's time, Robbie! Welcome to the Next Best Picture Podcast. Moonlight! Best Picture! Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 65 of the Next Best Picture Podcast. I am your host, Matt Neglia, and joining us today, we have Dyan Kieseze.
3: Yay, I saw Lady Bird! Woo!
2: Michael Schwartz. I love Ladybird. <laughs> Woo! And Ryan Sea Showers everybody. Still haven't seen Ladybird yet. <laughs> huh? Okay, well, we'll get we'll get there. We'll get there this week, right, Ryan? <laughs> this week. M- Monday. Okay. Well, I'm very, very glad to hear that the collective universe of Next Best Picture seems to be on the Lady Bird train. I want to actually start off this podcast by asking a very, very big, big question, one that's been on my mind now over the last week after I've seen how well it has performed at the box office. And after all of this turmoil that the Hollywood industry has been going through over this year, is Greta Gerwig heading for a Best Director nomination? I think so. No Ugh. So says the guy who hasn't seen it. <laughs> Ryan, why 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 now?
4: Because it's just the the industry, the category, the people voting, they're just not gonna go for it. I just you know the bias is there and it's deep and it's just I think I think it's wishful thinking.
0: Even with this new academy with people like Ava and the director's branch and all these new People who joined over the last year, you don't think they can make an impact?
4: How many, pe- how many people in the director's branch aren't like old, crusty, straight white guys, like who are going but to still, be like, this is a movie that
0: could appeal to them. I don't it's know. It's going to grab everyone on a really personal
4: level. I don't think so. You know, I don't know. I, w- I mean, I would love for it to happen. I think it'd be really great. I think, you know, it'd be, re- be rewarding, you know, especially after all of the stuff that's happened with. Hollywood and the patriarchy over the past couple of months, um, but I just don't see it happening. There is not if like I was thinking about it yesterday. If there was any female director that would be nominated this year, I think it would have been Sofia Coppola. Had The Beguiled been released in December or like later, like I think that's like the tonally the most the film that most fits with the style of the
2: Academy. But I just <sighs> uh, and but then well, well hold hold on a second let, let, let's let's talk about that the style aspect here because. We've seen in recent years a trend within the Academy where the special effects, technical achievement, the flashy directing is what they tend to go for more so in that category, along with Best Picture Frontrunners. Let's you know not lose sight of that because then you have a nominee like Tom McCarthy for Spotlight. But those kinds of nominations where it's the subdued direction that is not necessarily calling attention to itself, is focusing more so on performance and writing, that nomination is kind of rare and maybe we only get one in a category per year and a part of me is thinking that that's going to martin mcdonough um i don't even have luca guadagnino getting in and that's part of the reason why i think greta gerwick is close and it could happen I, I i need to see the precursor support in order to be a believer
3: oh. i think it's our best chance definitely um over d Rees even um, but i do yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm optimistic. I You know, I would love to see it happen. I'm kind of with you, Ryan. I, there's that pessimistic side of me that just doesn't feel like um, it will get what it deserves. But if there's any year that it could squeak in, I think it's this year. So, yes, I think it could happen.
0: I think people are going to be on edge after everything that happened this fall. Right. And even though it's totally deserving, there's going to be more
4: of a want to have a female nominee there. So, just like, uh, you know, Oscar is still white in 2015 after 14, right, Michael? How we well, repeated that. <laughs> you had who? Idris Elba and Straight of Compton as your, really,
0: only contenders?
4: I get that, but I mean, I just don't think that, I mean, I really, I understand where you're coming from, I just, uh, the the cynical side of me has been burned by the Academy over the past couple of years when it comes to, you know, female inclusion and diversity and I just, I'm very cynical.
2: They couldn't even get Catherine Bigelow in a second time for Zero Dark Dirty.
0: But still, ever since Bigelow won in 2009, you look at the people who were, who had the best chance of getting in, and there was always an issue that came up with it. Like with Bigelow, it was the controversy with the senators and the waterboarding thing. That probably killed her chances. After that, you have Ava DuVernay with Selma. Well, that was just a bad campaign to begin with. <sighs> Who else? Angelina Jolie, Unbroken didn't do well. Yeah, I mean, how many people are we talking that could really break through up until now?
2: But this year we've got two that could go all the way with Greta Gerwig and D. Reese. I want to move the conversation actually over to D. Reese for a minute here because Mudbound uh, released this weekend on Netflix, and to my shock and my surprise, um, I saw this film a couple months ago. Um, I thought that. Critics were going to be a little bit harsher towards it, and it's playing remarkably well right now, both with critics and audiences who are catching it on Netflix, and even those that are flocking towards the theater. Uh, Netflix released it in 17 theaters this weekend, and everybody is saying that this is still a contender, which is kind of going against what we initially predicted it being a Netflix film and all. So, is Mudbound bound? (laughs) to get more than the Best Adapted Screenplay nomination that we all were probably in consensus over that that was the one nomination it was assured of.
4: I don't know, I think there's two sides of the coin. I think it's either going to get shut out or it's going to get, like, four four plus. Um, I don't know. I just, I don't see a happy middle. I think that they're either going to have the Netflix bias, like they did with Beast of Donation, or that's going to get picture, screenplay, and supporting actor.
2: Hmm. No supporting actress for Mary J. Blige. Eh, I don't know. I don't know. She's been
0: going around the circuit a lot. Like, she's been popping up on all the morning shows like The View and doing podcasts and getting awards at this ceremony and that regional festival. She's sort of like the face of the cast of the movie. She'll get a Golden Globe nomination.
2: As of this recording, am I the only one that's seen the movie? No, I've seen it. Okay. And do you agree with me that Mary J. Blige is a little too subtle? So and subtle. if she gets in, it's because it's just Mary J. Blige.
4: Absolutely. I I, I, you know, I, I disagreed with your review. I remember listening to it back, um, or what you said um, after you saw it a month or two ago, and I disagree with you about how the, the first half of the film is. I thought it was actually pretty good in the way that the narration is woven in. Um, but I 100, 100% agree with you about Mary J. Blige. She is very wallpaper um, like in it and there's nothing special about her performance that stands out and I don't know if it's the character, I don't know if it's her as an actress but I wasn't clicking with her like I did Jason Mitchell or the two um, the, the leads of the Jason second half. Jason Clark hack.
2: and Carrie Mulligan?
4: No, the two men. Um,
2: oh, Garrett Hedlund. Garrett yes. Hedlund is actually the one person and I don't know if you agree with me on this, Ryan, the one person that I'm like hoping that the precursors come to his support because I think he's best in show.
0: Well, you'd think he was the star of the movie based on the Netflix picture.
2: Yeah, that's great. Oh, Jesus, yeah, that was bad. That was really bad. Um, as of right now, I have Jason Mitchell actually getting in. Um, I thought about putting Mary J. Blige back in my predictions, but I didn't. So right now, I have Mitchell adapted screenplay and picture, mm-hmm. um, but it's at number ten for me in picture, so probably gonna miss.
4: No, Jason Mitchell would a nomination for him would be so deserving. I I disagree. I think he was best in show, um, but they were both fantastic. Um,
2: Yeah, and you know, Jason Mitchell's been having quite a run recently as well. Yeah, you know, making himself really, really well known throughout the industry after Straight Outta Compton, which many people would argue he should have even gotten into that, maybe a best supporting actor, but. I, I think it could I think it could happen. If Netflix continues to play their cards correctly and they keep promoting this film, you gotta remember this film's been like Call Me by Your Name promoted since January of last year. And it has popped up at almost every single festival and they are making the rounds and pushing this film hard.
4: I know that, but then remember it didn't Idris Elba won the sag and then was snubbed.
2: I can't get over that. that is yeah.
4: so. I think that's so telling and so deeply rooted that I can't, that's why I don't know what to do with Mudbound. I really don't. But I that don't.
0: was in reverse, too. He won the SAG after he was snubbed for the Oscar. Yeah. And everyone had made the whole big to-do about Oscar So White.
2: Yeah. Interesting questions overall. Uh, Mudbound, Lady Bird, you know, not the biggest budgeted films in the world, we are currently heading uh, this week towards Independent Spirit Award nominations right now, and I just wanted to ask all of you what you guys were thinking, are you know, are the films that are going to mostly pop up there. You know, we've got a lot of different categories to choose from, and traditionally speaking, there's usually a couple of contenders in each category that are like kind of left field. Like hell, I mean, I, I tried my best to see everything I could this year, and I'm sure there's going to be something that pops up that I, I haven't even seen. You know. You know, who knows? Maybe we'll get something like a, like a, I don't know, like like a Briggs, Brigsby Bear or something, yeah. you know? But Patty Cakes. Patty Cakes, yeah. Best Female Lead? Sure. That Like, that could, I could, that see could that. definitely happen. Yeah, that's right mm-hmm. up their alley. It's really
0: interesting with this because you look at the movies that are contending for the Oscar this year, and most of them fit the criteria that they're American productions under $20 million. Mm-hmm. But you have to ask yourself, does Indie Spirit want to go the Oscar route? Or do they want to sort of make their own voice heard? So if they do Oscars, you have things like The Florida Project and Three Billboards. Uh, even Shape of Water, I believe, qualifies. But if they want to go their own way, you have things like Good Time and Marjorie Prime, uh, Beatrice at Dinner, Brad Status, movies like that.
4: Mm-hmm. I think they'll go with the Oscar route with sprinkles, with sprinkles of their own, um, their own thing.
2: So we think Florida Project is probably going to get a boost here? Yeah, Yeah, that
0: seems like their big movie. They're going to go for that probably in feature, all the acting categories that it's qualified for, uh, director. Cinematography, maybe? Sure, screenplay. Uh, Aside from just Brooklyn and Willem, I think uh, Bria, I forget her last name, who plays the mother in the Florida Project.
3: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: I think she's in for supporting actress.
2: You know, if we're looking at uh, last year's uh, contenders for best feature, you had Moonlight, American Honey, Chronic... Jackie Manchester by the sea, hmm. with moonlight uh, winning ultimately now, if I remember correctly and I could be wrong, I believe that three billboards outside Ebbing Missouri is disqualified from the Independent Spirit Awards, I think because it? it's a British production.
0: Oh well, okay. here's the thing it, like you could be a British production in some sort, but you need to have American financing too, which I think three billboards has from Fox Searchlight, if I'm not mistaken.
2: Okay, so that's not just distribution.
0: I I would have to look more into it, but I believe it does qualify.
2: Okay, that's fair. Um, we you also have to remember too that these are uh, the nominees are chosen, and as far as winners are concerned, they are voted on by the public. So you got to look at also what are the most popular films that are resonating with people. You know, obviously we're not going to see something like a Dunkirk pop up here, but Lady Bird, uh, for example, yeah. is something that you know definitely could get a huge boost um especially i i think and correct me if i'm wrong uh best first screenplay would greta gerwig be contending there
3: no
0: because she wrote francis ha
3: yeah francis yeah. ha and mistress america mm-hmm.
2: okay all right so that that so then that doesn't apply so it, it may be her directorial debut but not her writing debut.
0: no because she did a mumblecore film back in 2008 with joe swanberg this isn't even her debut no yeah yeah
2: all right, so, that's, so, she's, all right, so this, yeah. that, that's out of screenplay, but um, maybe Jordan Peele wins for Get Out then.
0: Definitely. That's what I was thinking. For first feature, he wouldn't contend for first screenplay, but can you be in first feature and uh, best feature? Or is it one or the other?
2: Um, I'm almost positive that It definitely it's one looks or
3: the other. like one or the other based on last year.
0: Hmm, because Get Out is the type of movie that could certainly get into best feature.
2: Oh, Get Out's going to be...
4: I feel like Get Out will be showered with these nominations. What about Disaster Artist?
0: I think Franco's in for uh, actor and the movie could get in for screenplay. Yeah. Uh, No one here has seen it yet, has they? Or have they? No, No. sadly. Has they? Listen to me.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so first feature last year, you had The Witch Win, Swiss Army Man, Other People, The Fits, The Childhood of a Leader. I'm just trying to figure out what the criteria is if they have if it what first features defined as do you guys know is it based on the director or is it based on um yeah
2: it's based on a director okay so something like wind river uh right? could show up Ooh, here that's a good okay one.
3: that's a good one yeah definitely that's a
2: very 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 popular movie i could very yeah. easily see jeremy renner popping in to actor and the film popping in picture for Into sure first
3: feature or, yeah. how about
0: columbus for
3: first feature oh that'd
0: be great <laughs>
2: <laughs> I loved that movie. Uh,
0: Menasha, Ooh. I think, could get in for first feature. That could happen, too. From Joshua Weinstein. Not that Weinstein.
2: Wrong Weinstein.
3: You could see something like a It Comes at Night making an appearance, I think.
2: Yeah. Uh, especially considering Kreisha, um Right. He won for uh, Best Debut or Best Director or something. He won a Best Director Award for that film, I remember.
0: It Comes at Night would be in for, like, cinematography, right?
3: Right. Yeah. yeah.
2: You know, I'm looking at the films I've seen this year that were uh, first time features, and uh, Raw immediately comes to mind. Mm-hmm. If they really wanted to get a little odd there, People but. People are
3: 11. Well, they did The Witch last year, that one, so.
2: Well, are we avoiding maybe uh, probably what might be the biggest contender of all, and that's uh, Call Me By Your Name showing up here? Of course. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah you got to consider that across the
2: board. Definitely. I, I 100% agree with that. So I'd say, uh, call me by your name, Get Out, Florida Project, Lady I-Tanya. Bird. i Yep, I-Tanya. I-Tanya. Forgot about i That
3: would qualify, huh? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah.
0: I think it's only, what, five million or something? There are so many, so many. Who else do we
3: have? There's a lot.
0: A ghost story. Oh, ghost story would be awesome.
2: I don't think that's going to happen, though.
0: Uh, I think Harry Dean Stanton gets in for Best Actor for Lucky.
2: You know what? I'm starting to think that that's going to happen here and at SAG.
3: You might see like Sam Elliott. For
2: the hero. hero.
3: Oh, that's yeah. definitely oh, yeah. happening.
2: That
3: yeah. that that's
2: definitely going to happen. That was a that was buzz that started in the beginning of the year and faded. This is this could be a, a way to bring that back.
0: Yeah, the movie's yeah. not great, but he is.
3: But he is right, guys.
2: It just occurred to me. You know what's you know what's going to be in Best uh, First Screenplay? The Big Sick. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: I have that in there.
2: Yeah, you can't, you can't, you can't not rule that out. That's probably gonna happen. Holly Hunter could show up in supporting actress, obviously.
0: I don't think Big Sick gets in for best feature, just because it's only five slots. But I'm thinking screenplay, Holly Hunter, even Ray Romano for supporting actor. Yeah, I'd agree. And if he does something here, I would not be surprised to see Ray Romano also pop up at SAG.
2: What about um? Woody Harrelson popping up for uh, something like Wilson.
0: Wilson, that could happen. Don't you think he would have a better shot for three billboards and supporting?
2: Absolutely, but I think Rockwell's going to get that uh, that there, and I don't think they're going to do both. Supporting
0: both at Indie Spirits and Oscars is so strange because you have three billboards, Call Me By Your Name, and The Shape of Water. Each have two supporting actors. And it's a matter of will they cancel each other out, will both get in, or will one get in?
2: And then you also got to think of like very obscure uh, independent films that you know didn't really even get like a big release this year. Something like Buster's Mal Heart uh, with uh, Rami Malek. Oh yeah,
0: Mac, you saw this one. What about Lois Smith from Marjorie Prime?
2: Oh, that could definitely happen. That film was surprisingly very good.
0: Is she lead or supporting?
2: I-, I could definitely see that uh, going for her in uh, supporting. Okay. Yeah, I don't really, I don't really believe that there is a lead in that because it uh, goes through different time periods
0: who else do we have Uh, Kristen Dunst for The Beguiled possibly yep I was thinking that stronger this could be where Jake Gyllenhaal has his comeback (laughs) his claim to fame
2: Uh, it's true though that's actually a good point I didn't consider that
3: yeah he could show up for sure
2: Um, I could see Aubrey Plaza getting into Best Actress for Ingrid Goes West yeah people
3: are loving that maybe
2: even Anne Hathaway for Colossal
3: yeah
0: oh that would be a good one yeah I'm writing these down as we go along.
3: (laughs) Yeah, we could, like, supporting, you could even see, like, Jason Sudeikis making
0: for that. It would be great to see Anne Hathaway here, after taking some Mm -hmm. time off, to come back with a small movie that she gets great reviews for. Yeah. And she really is terrific in it.
3: She is. She's the best part. And I'm with you. Going back to the beginning, I I just watched Brigsby this week. Oh, my God, I loved that movie. Right? I would love to see Kyle Mooney... So you know he he was uh, the co writer and star. So I think he'd probably his best bet would probably be in screenplay. Maybe
0: I don't know. Oh, he wrote it.
3: He's one of the co writers. Yeah, there's two of them.
0: I didn't realize that.
3: And it's filmed in Salt Lake City.
2: <laughs> it started off like one way for me watching it, and it totally takes like another turn. Oh and... my
3: god, it's so sweet, and oh, yeah, I loved it. <laughs>
2: And I was worried because when I first started watching it, I thought it was gonna be like really dark. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And they don't they don't take it in that direction, which is great.
3: Oh, and Greg Kinnear is great.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, that I forgot could happen. he's in that.
3: That's right. That could totally happen for supporting. Mm-hmm. So it seems
0: like with this whole uh race across all the categories, there's so many contenders to choose from. It's just a
2: matter of narrowing
0: them down, but picking how they're gonna go through them. Right,
3: or if they're gonna spread it or really focus yeah, in. Yeah, I
2: don't even dare to present to you guys like what my five would be for each category because it would probably be embarrassingly bad it's all over the (laughs) place
0: i remember they also have the robert altman award which they've given to like inherent vice spotlight uh
3: moonlight Moonlight last year
2: right
0: Hmm. what do we see taking that like mudbound
2: possibly i think mudbound is gonna walk away with a lot of i don't want to call them consolation prizes but Things where it's like, oh, here's an award to the entire cast. Oh, here's an award for freedom of expression. Oh, here's an award for, you know, just being awesome, but we couldn't fit you in anywhere else. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. So that I could definitely see happening from Upbound, uh, for sure. Either way, uh, nominations will be unveiled this week on Tuesday?
0: Yes, Tuesday afternoon or morning, mm-hmm. whenever they do it. And we just learned that uh, John Mullaney and uh, Nick Kroll will be returning as hosts.
2: Oh, that's really exciting. Nice.
1: Hello, everyone. This is J.D. from the In Session Film Podcast. Each week, we review the latest from Hollywood, California. Well, yes, Brendan. We also give top three lists. OK, yeah. Thanks again, Brendan. Additionally, you can hear us talk other movie news, trailers, varying movie series or other interesting film related topics and even rants and raves of the week. That's correct, Brendan. On top of our main show, every Friday... You can also hear our extra film podcasts. Good job, Brendan. Thank you, JD. It's my goal to make you proud. You're the father after all. (laughs) Yes, and I'm very proud. Uh, You can listen to the In Session Film podcast on... iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or at InSessionFilm.com. Brendan, will you please let me complete just one... Nope. Oh, for heaven's sake. Listen to the In Session Film Podcast every Monday and Friday. Subscribe today and hear me verbally beat JD like a Cherokee drum. No, 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 no. That's not how this works, sir. Hey, you you go cry at Midnight Special again, okay? okay. That's what you're good for. I will. You know what? And I'll do it while pummeling you. I'll do both at the same time. How are you going to pummel me? Yeah, I don't don't buy that. That's just how it
2: works. Okay, cool beans, everybody. Uh, Now, let's move over to the polls. Last week's poll. We asked, "Which is your favorite Zack Snyder film?" That 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 name right now carries with it a degree of like poison for me. Um, I I'm so mad at him for Justice League. I really am. Um, and many people think I'm being like a little too harsh on that, but
4: it's funny because our polls, like you know, we went from like the lowest, like consistently low Zack Snyder to consistently
2: high Pixar. I know. Yeah. (laughs) (sighs)
3: He needed a palate cleanser.
2: (laughs) (laughs) The choices were 300, Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, Dawn of the Dead, Legend of the Guardians, The Owls of Gahool, Man of Steel, Sucker Punch, and Watchmen. Winning the poll with 39.66% of the vote, Deanne? Watchmen. Ryan? Watchmen. Michael? Watchmen. The answer is Watchmen. And then in second place with 20.69%, Dawn of the Dead. And in third place with 17.24% was 300.
4: Huh. I was surprised Man of Steel didn't do better.
2: Uh, Man of Steel got 13.79%. It was in fourth place. Okay. That film's got some haters. Yeah. (laughs) So... Not surprising to me. I'm not even going to spend any more time talking about Zack Snyder. I I just, I don't care to do so. For those that are very curious as to why I feel this way, feel free to listen to my review of the Justice League. Oh,
3: please. You need to listen. It's hilarious.
0: (laughs) I'm told that there is more yelling in this review than when we did uh, the award ceremony last year.
3: (laughs) There was a lot of yelling. DJ was passionate also. Something to
2: look forward to over your holiday week.
3: A lot of F-bombs. It was delightful.
2: Like I said, I refuse to comment any further on Zack Snyder. (laughs) Moving on, this week's poll. Which is your favorite Academy Award-winning Pixar movie? The reason why we're asking this question is because Coco is being released this week, and it is probably going to win Best Animated Feature (laughs) due to there being virtually no competition in that category. The choices are Brave, Finding Nemo, The Incredibles, Inside Out, Monster Zank, Ratatouille, Toy Story, Toy Story 3, Up, and WALL-E. You know, one thing that surprised me when I was just putting this together, I could not believe that Toy Story 2 is not an Academy Award winning film. And then I realized it was because Best Animated Feature had not been invented yet. Yeah. But
0: even so, uh, Randy Newman was set to win for When Somebody Loved Me. Mm Mm-hmm. And he lost to Phil Collins for Tarzan, which is all well and good. But, I mean, come on. How does that song lose for original song? The heart of that movie. I think that might even be my favorite Pixar movie.
3: Toy Story 2, huh?
4: Yeah. Yeah, That's my favorite from the trilogy, I would think. Oh,
3: no. I'm a huge fan of 3. I'm
2: a very big fan
4: of 3. I mean, they're all great.
3: I'm so disappointed they're making a fourth, honestly, just because I felt like the trilogy was so perfect in my mind. I was like, just leave it be. But we'll see.
2: I even went so far as to say that it is the second most consistent trilogy of all time next to Lord of the Rings. And for me, that's high praise. <laughs> so yeah, I I love, 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 love with all my heart Toy Story 3. If The Social Network had not come out in 2010, I would have had an animated feature in number one. Hmm. Like, that film is just so, oh, so, so I emotional. It. I want to go so watch beautiful. it right now. It's tremendous. <laughs> Absolutely. Um <laughs> I believe Brave is the worst of this bunch. I agree. Yeah, but yeah. I don't think it's a
3: bad movie.
2: And I still don't agree with its animated feature win to this day. It's weird that it won,
0: but I think everyone likes to pick on it just because Wreck-It Ralph lost. Like, Brave is a decent movie.
2: It's not bad. You mean, like, the same way people pick on Dances with Wolves because it beat Goodfellas? Well, not to that extent, but yeah, similar. Mm-hmm. The Incredibles uh, got a teaser trailer this Mm -hmm. week. What's everybody's thoughts on the first Incredibles film?
0: Honestly, my favorite superhero movie. (laughs) I think it is such a great allegory for a variety of hefty topics that you never see in family movies or children's movies. And it just juggles a lot seamlessly. I I love it, and I don't think we've seen many films that match its quality to this day.
3: I like it. It's in kind of my middle tier for Pixar, not in my top five, Um, but I'm excited to see what they do. Hopefully it's better than Cars 2 and (laughs) 3.
4: I'm with Dan. It's it's middle of the road for me.
2: I'm with you. I'm with you guys as well. It's middle of the road for me as well. Uh. Ryan, what's your uh, favorite Pixar film?
4: Do you know how hard this poll is? And I love it because everyone is like, everyone on Twitter is, is pointing out how, how difficult this decision is. Um, I think I voted for Up, even though Inside Out and Ratatouille and Finding Nemo are really incredible, too.
2: Yeah, my only problem with Up is it never, ever matches the brilliance of those first 10 minutes. No, it doesn't. But
4: the first 10 minutes are enough for it to take my vote.
2: Yeah, if that was like a short. It would win. Well, it, it, yeah, that that would have won the Oscar too, <laughs> and that's part of the reason why it did win the Oscar.
4: I, I think Inside Out is probably the smartest of all of all these choices. Um, so I, I wish I could vote for that, but Up, you know, has the sentiment, sentimental quality that I can't ignore.
3: I just redid my ranking um, and actually um, Inside Out just keeps creeping up oh, yeah. like higher and higher because I rewatched it again. Oh, God. I Anyway, I think that's fabulous. But um, for me, I'm going to cheat because I really do. I, my, my first is up. It will always be up. That first uh, scene – is everything to me. I have a jar at my house. that has Paradise Falls written on it that I put my change in. (laughs) I love that. I really love that movie. I think it's so special. But um, I also... Very, very close is WALL-E for me. I love the use of the Hello Hello, Dolly music in WALL-E. It just Mm -hmm. makes my heart so happy. I love the silent part of that film, too. Like, to your point, I don't love all of it as much as I love, like, the first 30 minutes of that movie.
2: So, to be clear on WALL-E, Toy Story 3 is subjectively my favorite film of the bunch, but I I still believe WALL-E is objectively the best Pixar film ever because the challenges that they... Them like they put themselves in a situation where they had to get really creative with that storytelling. Here's a character that barely speaks, and when he does speak, can't really formulate full sentences. The first half of that movie is practically a silent film in and of itself. The art direction and visual style of that movie is unlike any other in their canon. Uh, Thomas Newman's score is uh very, very magical and whimsical, but yet at the same time, has like that sci-fi techno like feel to it that's really interesting and then it's also a political commentary as well as social commentary as well when they do get to the human uh part of the film later on and for the life of me it's got that love story at the center that is like one of the most adorable and cutest things ever
3: yeah and all in the animation of his eyes like tells the whole story it's
0: really special
2: you know roger deakins helped out with the animation on that movie as far as like the visuals he was like a technical consultant on the film
0: yeah, he did that, and then after Wally, he went to do the How to Train Your Dragon movies. Right. So good for him.
2: So I mean, the the visuals in that film, uh, I think, also are some of the best that uh, Pixar has ever ever come up with. Um, God, you know, to this day, I, I do you guys remember Wally winning uh, Boston Society Film Critics and a couple other um, awards for like Best Picture in the precursor run up in two thousand eight? I do, yeah. <laughs> and we, a lot of us were thinking that it could possibly crack the five and. I, God, I, I I remember that so vividly. I remember the
4: talk of it being in the top five. That was more dominated by the Dark Knight that year, I think, um, as opposed rather than Wally.
2: Well, because there was wishful thinking that uh, Frost Nixon and the Reader were going to be replaced, by like by Wally and the Dark Knight. Like those fans were asking for too much. <laughs> <But> Absolutely, <laughs> it would have been amazing if one or the other uh, somehow got in. And I remember it won. Um, like a really, really big precursor award. Um, it might have been uh Los it Angeles, won Lofka, didn't it? Yeah. So it, it, man, that was just that was wild <laughs> during that time. That was insane. Um, it won Chicago, it won uh, won Boston, and it also won um. Hold on, I've all got it here. Yep, it won Lafka. and. It even won Online Film Critics Society. That's just amazing. That's incredible that it went that far.
0: It's a terrific movie. Yeah. You know, I mentioned that Toy Story 2 was my favorite of all the Pixar, but since it didn't win the Oscar for this particular poll, uh, my runner-up is Ratatouille.
4: I figured that, Michael. I was thinking, like, you're going to go in for the kill with that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's great. It's about... The cr- food critics and cooking and just <laughs> uh, everything. I love Paris. Uh, I, I mean, there's not a more clever up until Wally. I don't think there was a more clever Pixar movie at the time.
4: Michael does ratatouille. Is it above, um, is it your number one that year over no country for old men?
0: No, no country is number one. Okay. And then it goes, I think ratatouille is second. I don't know. It's such a good year. It's like the whole 10 could qualify for the one any other year. Yeah.
2: That run from 2007 with Ratatouille up until 2010 is the Pixar golden years where every year they swept the uh, critics' awards. Every year there was talk about the film possibly being in the best picture conversation. And for two of those years with Up and Toy Story 3, they were, which is something that, unfortunately now, because of the ranking system that we have, we're probably not going to see that happen for a very, very, very long time which is very sad and unfortunate. Um, Inside Out almost did it. Because I cause I'd still believe to this day that if they had the old system from oh nine and 2010, Inside Out would have gotten a Best Picture nomination.
4: Hmm. No, I think it could have. I think it would have too. And that's actually a fun game to play. Like, you know, if we had the same system as um, oh nine and 2010, what would have gotten in and what would have missed? But-
2: well, you know, the proof is in the... Uh, you know, the nominations. You get, All you got to do is look at the nominations that occurred for a film, like, Elsewhere, and you can usually put two and two together that, you know... Like Carol? Okay, they got like th- yeah, like Carol, exactly. You know, they got all these nominations, but not Picture.
0: Yeah, I think this was a question that we had once before.
2: hmm
0: It was, like, Carol, uh, Inside Out, Straight out of Compton, possibly if it had a little more yeah. support.
2: Jackie, maybe. You know, so, yeah, definitely... Now, that'll be it. That, you know, we can, we can always revisit that at another time. It's one of my favorite things to think about uh, occasionally. But right now, let's get over to our fan questions. We got some fan questions in from uh, the forums on nextbestpicture.com. And the first one up here is from Cinema Paradox. I love this question because I do think about this one occasionally. What will be this year's The Martian or American Hustle? Sorry, Ryan. <coughs> Tons of Oscar nominations, but goes home empty handed. Or will this year be like 2014, where every single nominee walks away with something?
0: Okay, well, let's try to break it down. Mm-hmm. Three Billboards, we think, is our front runner right now. And even outside of that, like, that's, that's winning like at
2: least Rockwell.
0: <laughs> yeah. So that takes something. The Post. The Post. (laughs) I mean, this screen's today, so we're going to know later. The
2: Post could miss.
3: That could be. I I think Mudbound could have four or five nominations, but not win.
2: Okay, so The Post, Mudbound, uh, Call Me By Your Name is definitely winning adapted. Dunkirk's winning tax. Lady Bird.
0: Yeah, Lady Bird's probably going to get four or five nominations, but I don't see it winning.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but that's i don't think lady bird exactly fits this category uh like of like the american hustle even like co- the color purple gangs of new york comparison i think where yeah I 10. Think he's
2: talking like a lot of nominations oh, true so grit was like another five example
4: so uh, i think cack. i think this is the post i think the post has the biggest chance yes. of filling this category i
0: i agree okay yeah so figure the post is around eight nominations something like that and doesn't yeah, go maybe shape any. of water no, no Shape, Shape of Water
2: is
3: winning. winning. It's going to win Production
2: something. design easily. Like score. and oh,
0: yeah. Only score. Yeah, for the post, you look at the categories. It, we're thinking uh, broadly best picture, best actor, best actress, uh, costume. Director. Uh, screenplay. director, Screenplay, of course. Uh, the, production editing, design. Editing, maybe. Editing, yeah. So that's about eight or Costumes, so.
2: Costumes, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think the post is probably uh, this year's. Uh, next question. Oh, oh, man. Here we go. Here we go. Blake Bell asks, how can Warner Brothers DC Entertainment reset their (laughs) cinematic universe at this point, if they can? Is it as simple as removing the Snyders and bringing in someone with completely different vision or splinter it with different directors with different visions for each film and then try to get it all back together with Justice League 2? Blake, (laughs) They are beyond repair, and I don't even want them to fucking try.
0: You know what? It's very easy, and it's going to be a win-win for everyone. You all ready for this? Yes. Steve Mnuchin leaves the Treasury Secretary position and goes back to doing Suicide Squad. (laughs) And all is fixed for everyone.
3: <laughs> so I think that to answer Blake's question, I think they're kind of starting that, right? You have Matt Reeves doing the next Batman standalone. With Jake Gyllenhaal, apparently. Hopefully with Jake Gyllenhaal, maybe. Oh, that'd be and awesome. He'll bring a whole different vibe, you know, and maybe some actually good CGI or motion capture even better since he's got that Planet of the Apes background. Um, so, I mean, I think they're s- sort of starting to rebuild some of it already, um, but we'll see. I
2: think Snyder is the problem. I really do. Yeah. Because Wonder Woman was a fantastic movie. Suicide Squad is like an outlier. But Snyder has now done Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, and Justice League. Like, can the studio just get a hint that this guy is incapable of making a film that's critic proof? You know what I mean?
3: Yeah. Now, I will say I'm a little kinder to Justice League than Matt is. I did think it was at least a little bit of a step in the right direction from Batman v. Superman, personally, but not it certainly has a long way to go.
0: Bring Patty Jenkins on for all of it. Absolutely. That was my that was my solution.
3: <laughs>
2: oh God. Okay. Speaking of Jake Chillen Hall and Batman. Since Jake Gyllenhaal is rumored to be in the running for the role of Batman, since Ben Affleck's future in the DCEU is uncertain, if he were to turn down the role, who do you guys think should take on the on the role? This is from Ku Fan ninety two. God, I don't know. <sighs> um, we should take over Batman. John Ham. Yes, I like that.
3: Ooh, I like that.
2: Great Bruce Wayne has the chin for Batman. And yes. That, that's, that, that. I can't think of a better choice.
4: In in, in the Batsuit and out of the Batsuit, I think he'd be the perfect, like, the perfect Bruce Wayne.
3: Yeah, I can't think of anything better. I like that.
4: Michael?
0: Steve Mnuchin? <laughs> Steve Mnuchin is Batman. <laughs> oh my goodness. And now you're getting my uh, gears turning. What if we had, like, young Batman and they picked like, one of these uh, up-and-coming 20-some-year-old actors...
2: Yeah, because like, w- w- around what age is Bruce when he starts that, you know, and becomes Batman for like the first time? Like, like Timothy Chalamet is the Batman. <laughs> okay, oh, yeah. all right. There's no way he
0: could fill out that suit. <laughs> His hair would be too much to go under the mask. Yeah.
2: <laughs> could you imagine like a skinny leg to like Batman, <laughs> Timothy Chalamet? Oh man, he he'd have to bulk up like pretty hardcore uh, to to do that.
0: He'd go into the weapons and technology room and go, you know, tracking devices. Everyone's going to have one soon.
2: Oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ. Uh, okay, next question. This is a game, and I love games, so I encourage people to send in more games. This one's from Josh Parham. How would you place these performances in regards to the question of lead versus supporting? The first one he asks about, and there's a list here, Rudy Mara and Carol, lead or supporting? Lead. Supporting. Supporting.
3: I think lead.
2: Okay. Casey Affleck, assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. Have not seen it. Lead.
3: I actually have not seen it either. Did you say
2: Brad Pitt or did you say Casey Affleck? Casey Affleck. Supporting. Steve Carell in Foxcatcher. Supporting.
3: Supporting. Lead. Yeah.
2: Lead. Philip Seymour Hoffman, the master. Supporting. 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 Jake Gyllenhaal, Brokeback Mountain. Supporting.
3: Supporting. Uh, that one's probably the toughest so far, but I think I would say supporting.
2: Yeah, because you can argue that he's a co-lead. Right. I'm going to say lead. Okay. Michael, Jessica Lang and Tootsie.
0: Supporting. <laughs> supporting. Uh, yeah, I think that easily. Yeah, supporting. Yeah.
2: Ryan Gosling, the, pa- the Place Beyond the Pines, supporting.
0: Yeah, supporting.
2: supporting. Supporting. Ah, everyone's favorite, Anthony Hopkins, The Silence of the Lambs supporting
0: <sighs> that's an supporting. interesting one lead lead it's the presence
2: yeah but it's not his story though that's why that's the only thing that like i'm like i'm hesitant um unlike this next person Haley steinfeld in true grit lead
3: lead mm.
4: <sighs> i'll keep her in supporting i don't know <sighs> this is one that could really go
0: either way but yeah i'm gonna go with lead
3: I mean, I'm, I, I'm with you, Matt. I think it's about the narrative and who it's about. That's
0: She closes the movie, too.
3: Yeah.
2: Right. Michael Keaton in Beetlejuice.
3: <laughs> oh, God. Supporting.
2: I mean... Yeah, supporting. Supporting.
3: The movie's named after him. Supporting.
2: Denzel Washington, Philadelphia. Supporting.
3: Supporting, for sure. Supporting.
2: Yep. Jack Nicholson, Terms of Endearment.
3: Hmm.
2: Supporting. Supporting.
3: Yes, supporting.
0: Yep, that's not his story. It's the Deborah Winger, Shirley MacLaine, right. mother-daughter. The
2: next one is Deborah yep. Winger, Terms of Endearment. Oh. Oh, lead. 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 Hands down. Tom Hulse, Amadeus, supporting. Lead. Mm. Lead. Supporting. And Samuel L. Jackson in Pulp Fiction, supporting.
3: Supporting. Supporting.
2: Everyone is supporting in that film. Yeah. <laughs> Even though
0: John Travolta was nominated for
2: lead. For lead, yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, that still bothers me a little bit to this day, a little. Okay, what do we have here? Ryan McQuaid, in honor of Justice League coming out this week, (laughs) what is the worst film movie-going experience you have ever had in a theater? And to to continue this trend, what is the worst Oscar bait film you have ever seen?
0: Well, when you say worst film-going experience, does that mean the worst movie you saw or the worst experience, like when the lady was dancing next to me at train wreck?
2: Um... Let's keep it with how I maybe felt with Justice League, and let's go off of that. What movie, like, made you very angry?
3: (laughs) Um.
4: Hmm.
2: I can honestly say, um, most recently from me, and people will know this, um, Collateral Beauty and The Book of Henry, because I have a not-so-good personal tie to child deaths, and when that's not handled properly, that really upsets me. Hmm. What about Rules Don't Apply, Matt? (laughs) <laughs> I mean, that didn't make me angry. You made me angry. <laughs> you walked out of it. Because I was bored.
3: I was very angry during the that movie, The Intern. So that's the one with Hathaway and De Niro.
2: Oh, really? I like that one.
3: Uh, it, it, and so usually if I'm going to get angry, it's just because there's something about the storytelling that bothers me. And that, that just bothered me from the standpoint of it being about basically it was okay for this guy to cheat on his wife because she was really busy working and it made me effing crazy. Um, so that bothered me. <laughs> and um, I also walked out of that one Scarlett Johansson nanny movie.
0: Oh, the nanny diaries.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I didn't like that. Um, but otherwise those would be mine. I think.
0: Well, I've got a good one. And I think Ryan might even share this one with me from 2015 sisters yes that's what i was thinking of that was giving my pick oh, yeah that
3: was disappointing so such great talent
0: i walked out of it and i loved yeah. tina fey amy poehler oh, right just put made you mad. The, two of them together and i thought we could get something terrific just from their
4: chemistry no <laughs> oh, it's gross and it's not funny i had seen um the new star wars movie right before that so then i, I saw star wars and then i went to see sisters i, I was you know just having a day of movies and I know I got up and left. I was that like off put by the humor and I was just so disappointed because they're both so smart and it just like, Oh uh, yeah. Biggest disappointment for me. I was, it's I like, was angry. Yeah. yeah.
3: That's a good one. This year that, uh, the second, um, God, I can't think of what it's called with Goldie Hawn. And, oh no. yeah, Snatch. and Amy Schumer. What is it called? Snatch. Snatch. Oh, that's a good example too of like Trainwreck. I really liked, and so I was excited. And then you've got Goldie Hawn back on the screen, and then it was really frustrating.
4: It's not a good movie, but I'd like seeing her in it. Yeah, it wasn't horrible. I mean, it wasn't a horrible viewing experience for me. But, Just
3: disappointing. Yeah. yeah.
4: Um, in terms of Oscar movies, there's one movie that I was so I was fuming while I saw it, and that was um American Sniper. I, because it had just been because Gone Girl kind of got the boot for American Sniper um, that year, and I was yeah, I, I was just fuming that like you know because I, I had seen Gone Girl maybe five times by the time I saw American Sniper, and it had gotten snubbed in, in my mind for American Sniper, and I during the I was just fuming. I couldn't even watch the film objectively because I was just so hurt by the fact that Amazing Amy got booted out for Chris Kyle.
2: So I I did watch the film objectively and. I, that film's got oh, that film's got so many problems yeah like there's a fake baby <laughs> you know like that thing is a toy and it's so visible <laughs> and that just took me out of the movie immediately and i was like clint you are so much better than this what the fuck are you doing um, oh god that really did that, yeah that made me angry actually as i was far more as, turned um,
0: off by it because i thought it was just like right-wing propaganda that what well, is so much to like middle america in all the worst ways and like I, I didn't even see it in the theater, I saw it at home well, and it, me too, and traditional like, means we'll say <laughs>
4: like and you're right, Michael, it was totally like propaganda from middle America, and you know what they bought into it, and you know what they took Gone Girl down, there were no female you know led movies nominated that year, so I hope everybody is happy that American Sniper prevailed
2: <laughs> it also it also got best adapted screenplay nomination. I don't want to talk Gone about Girl that should have won. <laughs>
4: See, this is my cynicism about like female directors. I think stems from the year of Gone Girl, where Wild didn't get an adapted screenplay nomination. Gone Girl got snubbed. It just, you know, there were no female led movies nominated for Best Picture. I just, I'm so burned by that year. I can't think clearly about it. <laughs> that was wacky. You have like inherent Vice and American Sniper yep.
0: over those two.
2: I mean, in Her Advice, I think they gave it to him out of respect because that was a very, very tough novel to adapt. And so is to Gone his Girl. Credit, he kind of, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm not, and I'm Wild, not, like... I'm defending in Her Advice, and I'm saying take out American Sniper from Gone Girl, and you, you've got a category I'm okay with. So I would say, though, as far as like Oscar bait movies that like recently uh, that really upset me, um, obviously The Reader is up there. Why do you say that? Yeah, a lot of
0: people don't like it, but I think the reader is tremendous. I love it. Yeah,
2: it's it's not tremendous. It's it's fine, and it's it's good, and it's got a great performance from Kate Winslet. Um, even Ray Fiennes is pretty good in it, actually. But I think it once again. I think it does stem from. I mean, I was definitely a lot younger then, and it just stems probably from my lack of understanding a bit more uh, about the Oscar race and the fact that it did. Uh, beat out Wally in The Dark Knight, so maybe I've got some lingering, uh, you know, uh, like what's what I'm looking for, distaste there. So.
4: Well, the reader's amazing. I disagree, Matt, and Kate Winslet will, you know, break your heart a million ways in that movie.
2: Uh, War Horse comes to mind. Yes, that's
3: a good one. I I would put Hacksaw Ridge in that category.
2: Yeah, well, that's that American Sniper crowd.
3: Yeah. Uh
2: so the the rules still apply to that one that was a little bit of a pun there, Mike huh. um, and then I would also say too, uh Theory of everything,
4: oh yeah, <laughs>
2: I'm getting really tired of these like I understand now it like their own genre,
0: so to speak. that was the peak though, and then it was just decline from there.
2: I stronger and Briever in the same category,
0: no, but I'm talking about like your very traditional you know. Not overdone, that's not the word, but, like, put together in a way that stronger isn't.
2: Okay, so I think what you're saying also, too, is, like, this film was made to win Oscars and awards, basically.
0: Right. It's made in a laboratory that
4: came out the same year as uh, The Imitation Game. Right. Cut from the same cloth. No, the theory of everything, um, I definitely echo. Like, this, you know, I mean, it got a SAG nomination for cast Ensemble. That was such a weird year. Like, had, There were so many great movies that year, but then once the nominations started coming out, it just, like, 2014, yeah, it blows.
2: I love it when a film that's not designed to win Oscars, it's not considered Oscar bait, is able to still make its way into the race. Like last year, I think for most people, that film was Hell or High Water.
3: I love that movie. That
2: was an August release film that was just meant to be, you know, a tight, you know, crime film. And
0: And then the election happens and you have a movie about economic anxiety.
2: (laughs) It's funny. No, no, you're right, because... What, one thing I love about uh, awards campaigning sometimes is when they try to take themes in the film that, for the life of me, I, I don't even think about while watching them, and they somehow make it relevant today's, to today's times to make the film seem more important. Like, oh, thank you so much for awarding uh, this film. Uh, you know, this is an issue that needs to be dealt with and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um,
0: Harvey was the king of that. i can mm-hmm. say, if you will, about how bad he was. But in terms of shaping a narrative based on current events. Remember the imitation game? It was like honor the man, honor the film.
2: Yep. You know, but like Mad Max Fury Road, I think falls in that category, was definitely not designed to win awards. That's the one I was gonna say, yeah. Yeah. Um whiplash probably falls in that category because they just wanted to make a movie. <laughs> you know? They weren't they weren't expecting it to go all the way to the Oscars, the best picture. They just wanted to make a good movie. And we're
0: seeing that this year with Get Out.
2: Uh, yeah, actually, yes, 100% Sundance film that, you know, Jordan Peele just wanted to make a movie, <laughs> you know, about something that he felt pretty personal about. And it's kind of taken on a, a life of its own after its release as this awards contender, potential awards contender. And exactly. Yeah. Same, same rules uh, apply there. Um That the and the Florida Project. Uh, yes, I would say Florida Project, too. Uh, definitely would fall in it. What about gravity? Do we think gravity was built with the idea of, oh, we're going to win awards probably for our work on this?
0: When you're putting that much money into it, you know you're going to get a few tech things. Yeah, I, I agree. Then Yeah, that, that doesn't fall here. With Sandra Bullock and George Clooney. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Beast of a Sovereign Wild. Mm-hmm. Which is still one of the most, like, inspiring, like, set of nominations for a film I've ever seen in my life. And then he hasn't done anything since. Which is so unbelievable. I, I Like, I'm praying and hoping. Um, I'm, I'm going to just plug this in for for a minute. I'm I'm going to Sundance this year uh, for the first time ever. And so I'll get to see Deanne. Yay! Yay! Um, I, I'm, like, praying and hoping that he just comes out of nowhere, and it's like, holy shit, the new Ben Zeitlin film is premiering at Sundance, and it, like, sneaks up on us out of nowhere. You know what I mean?
0: I think Ben Zeitland just turned into Sean Baker.
2: I don't know what you mean by that, because Sean Baker's still making movies.
0: No, because, like, Sean Baker sort of hit his stride after Beasts of the Southern Wild, it seems like, and they're both doing that very small, naturalistic type of filmmaking. Mm Mm-hmm like he transformed into sean baker
2: oh i oh, oh okay so he's like the second coming <laughs> yeah
0: okay that's funny. sean baker's the second coming of ben Stiller.
3: oh that actually um that whole sun too reminds me of another one that would fall in the category of thinking it was made for awards it was so bad Is that jd salinger rebel in the rye oh with
2: kevin spacey
3: <laughs> oh my god have you guys seen it
2: no no and i don't want to
3: you don't want to. It's so, it is as bad as you think it is. And it made me angry. Ugh,
0: well, yeah. it's funny. That premiered at Sundance. And I remember reading the bad reviews. But then whatever it. company walked picked walked out. It, whatever company picked it up actually recut it. And they were going to give it a big fall release. And it started like a platform in late September. And then the spacey stuff happened. And I think they just dropped it.
3: Dropped it. Yeah. Uh,
2: I'm going to bring this all full circle now. Uh, this came from uh, Jet5459 on Twitter. She asks... I have a question about Oscar's So White narrative. I find it defensive if you've been asked to take skin color into consideration while voting for an actor. Unfortunately, there still aren't that many projects for people of color, especially Asian American or Latinos. So, why do critics only champion one actor in an ensemble? We saw that last year with Ali and Moonlight, even though there were other great performances from Rose and Hibbert. This year, Mary J. Blige is singled out, even though in reviews, Mitchell and Hedlund are the ones being praised. Um, Shouldn't this be a talking point in the narrative? I also find it offensive that studios think that audiences don't want to see a story about and told by people of color. I'm only asking because I hear from a lot of pundits and critics that they have to vote for a person of color (sighs) in order to not have Oscars so white again.
4: Well, um, do you mind if I take the lead on this question?
2: Go right ahead, sir.
4: I, I it's not that people are taking into consideration the, um, the people someone's skin color. It's but at the same time, you can't ignore the fact that a, a black actor has different experiences than a white actor, and they have different systematic privileges and advancement and role types and the types of projects that are made and the types of roles that are available. So it's not about like it's not that. We're saying it's not that people who stand behind the Oscar So White narrative are saying you need to take into consideration and have a default, you know, token nominee. It's the fact it's more of an inclusion type of a narrative,
2: I guess. Okay. Anybody else have any other thoughts on this? No, I think that was
0: well said perfect
1: hey everyone i'm jason and i'm lee and we are the atlantic screen connection podcast we look to take a magnifying glass of the films you love with a warm atmosphere and a good laugh new releases
4: retrospectives and absolute classics all reassessed and reviewed
2: check out the asc podcast on soundcloud and itunes or keep in the loop on twitter by following me at film underscore faculty or lee at big Pick reviews that counts as a promo right right all right cool all right well i guess we'll cut here <laughs> see you later <laughs> Welcome to the Atlantic Screen Connection Podcast. Let the games begin. Now let's just head over to the news of the week. Normally I would have Will Mavity talk about this, but he is currently without a computer. So, big one. Get Out is classified as a comedy at the Golden Globes, despite the HFPA saying, uh, 75% of them saying it is a drama. A lot of talk about this this week, guys. Um, I'm going to ask the simple question first, Deanne, comedy or drama? Comedy. Michael. Comedy. And Ryan. Comedy. And I say comedy as well.
0: Except Jordan Peele will say it's a documentary. (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) I I get it. I understand, you know, the difference here. Uh, We got to just like understand that this is just another Martian scenario. Yeah. And they're placing it in the category that they think it's going to do well in. And I don't think that's so bad for a little film like Get Out That many people underestimated a little bit throughout the year for awards consideration. And now that the hype is becoming more real, they really want to go for it. I I totally understand. Like, Jordan Peele... It's it's unbelievable with so many great screenplays this year. Jordan Peele could very easily win the Golden Globe for screenplay. Yeah, mm-hmm.
3: yeah I think you're right. It's more about strategy than anything else. Because I, you know, some of the narrative has been around. Well, the movie actually has really serious themes, and so how can you put it in comedy? But I think it's not about that at all. I think it's just about what's the strategic move and what's going to potentially get the win and get some buzz around the film. And then the message gets out in other ways.
0: Well, even strategy aside, I think the film is a satire. Yes. Which sort of falls into
4: the comedy realm. Well, and also I think like, since it, since it's a horror movie, I think the comedy musical category should, you know, the subtext of that, of that category should include horror movies uh, just because horror movies don't really fit in with, Dramas, And I think that the comedy musical category is more of a miscellaneous category separate from drama. And that's just my personal opinion. I'm sure um, someone's going to, you know, throw up their hands and disagree with me. But I think that's where it belongs. And yeah.
2: okay. Disney is making a live action Prince Charming movie. Um, After Kenneth Branagh developed Cinderella a couple of years ago, um, what do we think about the idea of disney presenting the story possibly from the male point of view
0: well it's going to be a little different than i think what a lot of people are thinking this movie is it's going to be more about prince charming's brother who doesn't live up to the family standards
2: that is a very interesting take actually you got (laughs) you got this guy who's you know getting all the suitors and all the ladies you know what i mean (laughs) He gets to live happily ever after. And you have like the disgruntled. Uh, li- oh, that's actually really, really... Uh, I-, I would never have thought-, thought about that. That's really funny, actually. So
0: think of it sort of like from Into the Woods, the two uh, brothers, the princes, mm-hmm. when they sing Agony. Like a film version of that directed by Stephen Chabosky, who did Perks of Being a Wallflower and Wonder. He wrote Beauty and the Beast earlier, earlier this year. Mm-hmm. So I think this is going to rely a lot on who plays the princes. I totally agree. I mean, part of me almost wants to say, get Chris Pine back from Into the Woods. Yes.
2: <laughs> Chris Pine and Billy Magnuson, there you go. Chris Pine's starting to grow that gray hair, pretty hardcore. I don't know if he's uh, the right right person anymore for these uh, kind of roles, but hey, who knows? Uh, Nicholas Bertel set the score of Michael Schwartz's most anticipated film ever. Adam McKay's Backseat with Christian Bale, Amy oh Adams, God. and a slew of others. He's a friend of the podcast, so I had to signal
0: This him movie's going to be something else. In addition to Nicholas Bertel, who we love around here, Moonlight Battle, The Sexes, all that great stuff, there is a song and dance number right now being choreographed by Andy Blankenbuehler from Hamilton and uh, Bandstand on Broadway. So I don't know what kind of thing Adam McKay is going for here, but you have Amy Adams as uh, one of the Shaneys and uh, Christian Bale as another, so- Sam Rockwell as W. Oh yeah, it'll so be amazing. Like Some <laughs> dance number at the end, i'm gonna
2: make a prediction right now that this is going to be our next martian and get out as far as uh placement at golden globes next year
0: what like controversy between categories
2: yeah i have this really weird feeling that because it obviously it's adam mckay obviously big short was you know comedy musical um and you know you, you mentioned this idea of a musical number but i can't help but feel like with the talent uh, involved in this project, that there's going to be a more dark, satirical, dramatic side to it, mm-hmm. um, and it will try to strike that balance between the two.
4: Yeah, maybe.
3: So, will this be t- 2018?
4: Yes, next year. Uh, maybe this is the a- a- film Amy Adams will finally win for. Please. But it will be. Um, I'm guessing she will. She'll be in the best supporting actress category. Um, which that is feels so weird for her to win in supporting.
2: Like <sighs> sometimes it
4: happens. You know, I just, you know, I just, after American Hustle and Arrival with the two lead performances, I think I, know, I would love for her to win a lead actress Oscar, but...
2: You know what? I mean, Viola Davis won for supporting, so... I mean, we, we take what we can get and we do our best with it, I guess. Exactly. Uh, last bit of news for the week here. Uh, big one. Quentin Tarantino has landed his next project over at Sony after a bidding war between many studios, excluding Disney for obvious reasons. They have granted him $95 million production budget for his next film on 1960s Los Angeles and Final Cut as well.
0: That is a good home for him, and they need him as well, because that studio has been struggling for a while.
3: Yeah. And so it's Manson-related, right? And they're talking about Margot Robbie for Sharon Tate?
0: That's what we had heard, but now they're saying that it's not about Manson specifically, but the movie is about 1969,
3: Huh. Okay.
0: So everything that comes with that in the whole period. So
3: a non-manser.
0: Margot Robbie, some people were thinking it is a uh, Sharon Tate. Other people have said Jennifer Lawrence is in the running. The new name is Tom Cruise.
3: Oh right. And didn't I hear Brad Pitt? Brad Pitt, Tom Cruise, and there was one more. And
2: Leonardo DiCaprio is also in yeah, talks Leo. as well.
3: Oh, yeah. I was like, it's another Tarantino guy. That's So right. with
2: yeah. so many, like, leading people, um, obviously, circling around this project, we don't know if they're going for one role or multiple roles, but based upon uh, the explanation that we've heard so far about this being about just the year 1969, am I the only one here in thinking that this would be, like, one of the most... Uh, unique and ambitious types of films ever if the movie was a series of vignettes storylines that highlighted um, all different important topics that occurred in that year and it was almost like he made a documentary but it's not a documentary it's actually it's really a theatrical live action film with a narrative but he's documenting all these different historical events, and they're not actually fully tied together. He's just capturing a time and a place.
0: I think he's going to go for something like that. But just like in Pulp Fiction and a lot of his other movies, they would tie it together somehow. Because mm-hmm. he, he likes to rewrite history. At the end of Inglorious Bastards, you have Hitler being killed in a the movie theater. <laughs> so like yeah. he could try to tie Manson murders into, I don't know, when... Oliver wins best picture at the Oscars or something. I don't know.
2: <laughs> um, I, I, I do wonder, though, if he is obviously uh, skewing more closer to history, if that's a little bit of an Oscar tickler to give Tarantino that director win next year, you know, and it's a film that they take more seriously from him.
0: We will see. I don't think this movie's coming out next year because, you know, he takes a while with some of his things.
2: Sure. Although, I mean, if it was, you know, if it was uh, he who must not be named handling distribution on this, you know that he would be fighting tooth and nail to get this film for that December release date.
0: (laughs) And it should be said, I'm very glad that Quentin has final cut at Sony because he was sort of sheltered by Weinstein for years. He started there. You can't say his name. Uh, Yes, you know who, like Voldemort. (laughs) Uh, He was sheltered over uh, that studio. Uh, given anything he wanted because he was one of their top money makers. Django Unchained was their most successful film. So I'm glad that Sony is smart enough to realize this is someone who brings in the audience's name alone, aside from Hateful Eight, and that he could have full control to do whatever he wants with it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I'm also starting to wonder, too, uh, Tom Cruise as directed by Quentin Tarantino. um, Tom Cruise's Oscar?
0: If it's meaty enough, why not? Yeah.
2: I I got vibes of uh, Tom Cruise being directed by Paul Thomas Anderson and Magnolia, which I still to this day say that's Tom Cruise's Oscar.
0: DiCaprio, too. Like, I know he just won, but seeing how he worked with uh, Quentin and Django Unchained, I still can't believe he was nominated for that. I know.
3: Yeah, he was great.
2: If that role was a little bit bigger instead of only being 40 minutes of a three-hour film... Yeah, I, I think he would have gotten in then, but I, I think that's what hurt him, ultimately, was the lack of screen time compared to Waltz.
0: Like that scene at the table when he actually stabs his hand and kept going with the <laughs> monologue.
2: Oh, it's so good. So, so good. All right, uh, that pretty much wraps up everything that I have here for today. Does anybody else have any uh, ideas, thoughts, or anything they want to just uh, put out there before we go?
0: I got a random thought to throw out. Nothing to do with this year's Oscars, but, you know, I'm looking back. I know we mentioned 2007 before and how great of a year it was for film. And since we have Thanksgiving coming up with a lot of releases coming, I look back at other Thanksgiving releases. Can we all believe that Enchanted came out 10 years ago this week? No.
2: (sighs) Wow. Oh, my God. What's the word on a sequel for that?
3: I think it's next year. It's
0: going to happen. But I think it's all a matter of when everybody's schedule lines up. They have a director in Adam Shankman. So it could be like Toy Story 3 where you wait so many years after the last one. Mm
2: -hmm. Do we think that Amy Adams can still play that role as effectively as she did 10 years ago? I think
0: as long as the material is good, she could carry it. I mean, she always has that charming persona.
2: I was going to say, because part of the reason why I think Enchanted works so well was because of how much it took people by surprise. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: And it's just an earnest movie too. Like I know some of it is tongue is cheek.
2: Oh, I think that works in its favor.
0: It's just totally genuine. Yeah.
2: You know, I always say all the time if you're going to be tongue in cheek, be self-aware about it, you know what I mean? And be meta and, you know, that is going to work so much yeah. better.
0: It just doesn't go overboard with it, which is a credit to the movie.
2: Exactly. Oh, no, that's that movie is such a pure delight and uh, still something if that, if that's on television, I stop the I stop what, what flip it through the channels right away and I watch it because that movie yeah. is just effortless and how happy it makes me feel mm-hmm. i
0: would have put her in the best actress lineup this year i know ryan you probably would have too right oh yeah
2: 2007 hell yes i was banging that drum hard that year
0: i remember vividly seeing it 10 years ago which uh funnily enough is also 10 years this week since atonement opened and look at where Sarah ronan is now oh, i know yeah that's incredible As this awkward 13 year
2: old it's
3: awesome back then
2: she's poised i think at this point to have one of the most legendary careers of all time, potentially.
0: Yeah, she had this little dip, a little dip from like 2007 to around 2013, 14, when she was really until like
2: Brooklyn. Honestly,
0: that, that movie, The Host. Remember they tried to the put Host, her off as like a The Lovely by Bones. Star. The Lovely Bones. But then once she <laughs> had Brooklyn, from there on, people really knew what to do with her. I think she just sort of had to get out of that teenage phase. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And now she's just gonna go along. I don't know if you heard that they announced last night she's hosting SNL next week. Mm-hmm. For <laughs> a few weeks.
2: Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Oh, good for her.
0: It's going to be Sarah Ronan and you too. so a night of Irish entertainment on NBC.
2: Ah, uh, p- nice. Pop open the beers. <laughs> Okie dokie, everybody. That'll just about do it here for episode 65 of the next Best Picture podcast. Deanne, tell everyone where they can find you on the internet.
3: At TweedledeeDee33.
2: Michael.
0: At Mike Movie And happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Hope it's a great week.
2: And Ryan.
0: At Ryan Seashowers.
3: And
2: in just keeping with the Thanksgiving, uh, happy wishes for everybody out there. Very, very quickly before I say that I am at Next Best Picture on the internet. Michael, favorite Thanksgiving family film? Go.
3: Hannah and Her Sisters. Deanne. Oh, plane Strains and Automobiles.
4: Ryan. Um, I'm going to throw a curveball and say every Thanksgiving Friends episode. Oh.
2: Man, that's awesome. Um, You know, what's really interesting is that, like, I I, I can't think of a Thanksgiving movie off the top of my head, but I can tell you the film that gets uh, watched every single year uh, at Thanksgiving in my household is The Polar Express Mm -hmm. because um, it's kind of like the all right time to get ready for the holidays. And it's like a very perfect uh, family film, I suppose. So um, I'll, I'll just pick that for nostalgic reasons. Anyways, next best picture. Twitter, social media, Facebook, you know the drill. You can find us on there, and you can subscribe to the Next Best Picture podcast at iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, and on CastBox. Be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Let us know what you think of the show. Nothing less than five stars is acceptable in my eyes, but if you want to give us four stars, I might, might, might take that. Either way, though, give us a review. Let us know what you think of the show. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. We will see you all next time.